off the ball. You two lads are from Leinster, so it's no wonder you're given out of the provincial championship. I don't want to take away the provinces. Who grew the geographical line back in the day? It's because of the way that the provinces are broken up. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. We're turning our attention to hurling. Sarah O'Donovan is with us. Sarah, good morning to you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're back where we started, lads. This mm-hmm. time last year, same semi-final pairing. Before we get to that, right, because there has been some developments over the weekend with regards to the protests in the camogie and the football. And I just wanted to, uh, and also the Cork dual players. Um, so maybe we'll start with the protests. Um we were saying earlier on that it's time for the men to come out and, and help to throw their weight behind the women's protest. Uh, what's your instinct about that? Sure. I saw Matthew O'Hanlon was the first tweet that came up on my uh, Twitter account this morning. Matthew O'Hanlon, a Wexford hurler, you know, saying we're all inter-county players. We all have to be treated equally. So I think the GPA juggernaut is kicking into gear now and there will be an expectation that players in the GA will support their female counterparts. And if you see within the FAI and the steps taken by the male players led by Seamus Coleman to give the girls more money, um, I suppose that was the starting point and, and that helped massively in the FAI. And from the male side of things, the likes of Conor Moyler, uh, Matthew O'Hanlon, that's where I suppose the real pressure comes on the three organisations, uh, the GA, the LGFA and the Camogie Association, because it's not just women asking for um, these, you know, basic minimum standards uh, for female inter-county players. It's it's all sides now asking. Yeah, you'd hope that the men row in really fast and uh, and everybody rows in behind and they do something meaningful to help just elevate the level of conversation around the protests because... Um, as Nathan was pointing out earlier on the the major TV audiences were for the men's sports last weekend and uh, while the pictures have gone around the amplification of those pictures has been a bit less maybe than people would have hoped for and Vicky Wallace talking to Sinead Kassan in the papers today saying it's going to ratchet up again unless something happens so fingers crossed on that on the dual players issue Cork have um, Camogie and Gaelic football scheduled next weekend basically for a couple of hours within each other is there anything that can be done here to fix this? No, and look, I think from the male point of view, the dual player, you know, is is extinct. And because it's unsustainable, and I suppose from a female point of view, it has become unsustainable. And, you know, last two weeks ago, you had a situation where Libby Coppinger played for Cork against Down, hopped into a car, drove to Galway, came on against Galway, having had that incredible afternoon, you know, I, I w- as a player her teammate sitting on the bench, watching her come on ahead of me. Um, having done that, having played a match, having driven three hours, I, I would start to feel aggrieved about the conflict um, situation. But I suppose from my point of view, looking at it, standards needs to come up in both LGFA and Camogie. And right now for the dual players, if they're splitting their time across both codes, they're not able to give full time to their performances. Maybe we have to ask the question, is it unsustainable? And and I think it is. So while the conflicts this weekend are obviously something that are an issue right now, I think for 2024, those players are going to have to ask the question. We are repeatedly being let down by our organisations. They cannot fit us in. Maybe we have to make the decision. And while that's incredibly tough, players within the GA have had to do it two, three years ago. Yeah. Um, I totally understand the point you're making, right? And mm. uh, at the same time, do wonder if maybe the two organisations are just being a little bit 
uh, short-sighted because if they were able to have the players play in both of them, they'd both get the reflected glory of having the best athletes playing. I, I understand the point you're making, but if they weren't scheduled at the same time, then there probably would be less... Uh, and, and maybe Cork have organised it well and so everybody understands that you are still doing all the physical stuff and you're doing skill in your own time maybe they haven't and maybe some players are there's a, a sense that some are swanning in and I'm not specifically to Cork but uh, you know I, I buy the, the point that you're making but at the same time maybe the organisations could like try and facilitate them for as long as possible With the new split season I think it's becoming more and more difficult I think as well scheduling the TV games um and those games and the extra promotion, you know, there's so many things at play here. And I think ultimately for the players involved, they're repeatedly being let down by both organisations and then they're letting down their teams. And I know they're not doing that on purpose, Ger, but if you're playing a match on Saturday at half two and you have to be in Galway at seven o'clock, that's unsustainable. Yeah. And that's that's for me, um, as a player playing on the Camogie team, I had Rena Buckley as a teammate, I had Bridge Corkery as a teammate, um, Elena Reardon, these were incredible um, inter-county players that at that time there was lots of I suppose success you know that's no question and those are incredible teammates to have at that time but right now with the amount of training involved for both teams I just don't think it's sustainable Okay let's talk about the hurling then this weekend we'll obviously have a chance to come back to the the Camogie and the football later on Um, where are Galway at after that performance of the weekend did they do they care about the wides and the slightly ineffective? Like, ultimately, they're still alive and they have a couple of weeks to work through things and they're going to be mad underdogs and sure, doesn't that suit them nicely against Limerick? See, that wasn't my take on the game at all because I watched the game back again yesterday um, with the benefit of, I suppose, a bit of composure and calm around it. I had written Galway off. I hadn't. I couldn't see them beating Tip two weeks ago. Um, and yesterday, incredible defensive performance uh, forward taking over Connor Whelan, you know, playing the playing, having the strength of two men taking on that Tipperary full back line because obviously Henry Shefflin's decision making in game yesterday was the reason why Galway came out on top. That game um, was a masterclass from Shefflin um, from the outset, picking Cahill Mannion to play as the seventh defender opening up that space to be able to distribute the ball um, into the corners to give Conor Whelan a chance to get on ball. Uh, I'm so impressed with what Henry Shefflin has done over the last two weeks. And considering the pressure that Galway were in and the way that Kilkenny won the Leinster final, uh, you know, I I think it's opened my eyes to, I suppose, how much Galway have improved in the last two weeks. It's funny we were chatting to Anthony Moyles there, Sarah, before yourself. He was talking about the Galway footballers not having that, I guess, aggression and anger and doggedness maybe that you need to, to win big games. There seemed to be a little bit more anger from the Galway hurlers uh, at the weekend than, than we've maybe seen in recent games. There's a bit, bit more of that aggression. Yeah, and look, for me yesterday, that was probably the mo- most cohesive defensive performance I've seen across the championship uh, so far this year. Darren Marcy, Jack Grealish, Dahi Burke, Garrow McInerney, they were relentless in that in that opening 40 minutes and I think Tipperary scored six points, you know, to half time. That nobody would have, you know, given that scoreline at half time. They ate Tipperary up. Two inside forward players for Tipperary were taken off. Seamus Cannon was taken off. Uh, Kyo was taken off. Again, something I didn't envisage. Jake Morris couldn't get into the game. I think it took him until maybe the 50th minute to actually start motoring and finding space. Uh, 
midfielders for Tipperary taken out of the game. Lads, everything that could have gone wrong for Tip yesterday went wrong, but that wasn't, I suppose, luck or, or, or you know, or an off day. That was the way Galway pressured the the Tip players. They just, the ease which they kind of ran around the field against Offaly the week before, they came up against Galway and they were hit with a brick wall. Talk to us a bit more about Shefflin. What has impressed you so much? And, and is it an evolution in uh, his managerial career, do you think? Or is it just that, like, the opportunity and the knowledge of his team is reaching a point now where he's more comfortable and fully understands exactly what they need to do and, and when they need to push and when they need not to push? It, it was ice in the veins yesterday from Shefflin. You looked at the decision to start Glennon. Um, Glennon empties the tank. Then Tom Monaghan comes in for that last 25 minutes, scores three points. Keenan Fahey at centre forward. I was so impressed yesterday. Uh, two brilliant assists for two scores in the second half. Really, really pressure scores where he wins the ball and he's popping the ball back out to allow the Galway players to to take their points. That uh, switch for Garrod McInerney, bringing him out late on when his when he was spent, and he brings in Finton Burke. Finton Burke goes out to right half back and wins a monster free. Uh, wrestles one of the tip lads over his shoulder and lands on the ground. Connor Cooney coming in and Jason Flynn. The last ten minutes, you know, the last thing Tip wanted to see, the last thing Michael Breen wanted to see was Jason Flynn coming in, uh, ready to go at him for those last ten minutes. It was a masterclass in man management and introducing a bench. We'd spoken during the league and championship about Henry having an opportunity to see different players because the same pressure just wasn't there in the Leinster Championship. And you saw Liam Collins come on again late yesterday, and he's battling late on, and he gets a couple of possessions. So for Henry Shevlin, I think yesterday was probably his best day as Galway manager. Limerick will need a plan for, for Conor Whelan, won't, won't they, Sarah? Like it's got to that point now where he's, he's having an impact on games. I know Dan McCormick started on him, I think, yesterday, but by the end of the game, two or three temporary defenders had, had tried their hand. So uh, I'm sure Limerick will have a plan, but, but like, based on his performances of late, he's tough to stop. They've less of a plan. They've less options now, you know, with Sean Finn out, with uh, Declan Hannan out. You'd have assumed that Dan Morrissey would be at three and he would pick up uh, Connor Whelan and, and, you know, it would be a right tussle. But now you're looking at Dan Morrissey going to six and Mike Casey possibly having to pick up Connor Whelan. And, you know, immediately I think there's a mismatch there because Connor Whelan is a block. You know, uh, his physical strength is, is, is incredible. So I think all of a sudden, with the absences within the Limerick defence, Connor Whelan is going to be a massive threat and uh, Galway have a chance. In a similar vein to Shefflin get, getting the in-game stuff right, like how would you assess Liam Cahill's decision making yesterday? Like, it, certainly the halftime team talk didn't work because they can see that goal straight away in the second half. But there, there just seemed to be a number of matchups, as we say that, and that's just one of them that we've spoken about. But matchups that they got wrong, maybe Tipperary. I was a little surprised that James Callan started. Um, maybe Garrod O'Connor was injured, uh, but I just felt that Garrod O'Connor's form you know, through the last, say, eight to ten weeks, merited him starting. Um, I think Callanan would have been better coming on in the same way that Jason Flynn was coming on late for Galway. I don't think Tip had that impetus off the bench to come in. Johnny Ryan came in, um, scored a point, obviously, late on, but Callanan, in those last ten minutes, would have known what was needed. And I and I think that was one mistake that he made Um Alan Tynan worked really hard but ran out of steam. He's not the guy you want to see going off, you know, in the last five minutes. 
the midfield for, I suppose, tip, I just felt they looked tired. And, you know, you're, you're scoring the in excess of 40 points last week against Offaly. It doesn't look like it's affected you, but evidently it does because you've got 70 more minutes in your legs than Galway had. So... From Tip's point of view, they will be very disappointed with with the showing yesterday. And you know, as much as I love hearing Tip, 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 I <laughs> <laughs> I won't miss it for the last two games. And uh, I think Galway were fully deserved of that game yesterday. So the way you're seeing it then is they actually have a load of room to improve, and they've got the bones of a system in place. Everybody understands exactly what they're doing. They've got a, a management team who are starting to be in their bag of tricks and. Yeah. They'd 18 wide and a lot of goal chances. So you can easily see them putting up a big score against Limerick and actually putting it to Limerick, giving them their fill of it. Our only issue all league and champ- or championship to date was that their distribution to the inside line was so poor. But sitting Cahill Mannion where they sat him uh, yesterday and the distribution yesterday was so good for Galway that I, I think they've finally unlocked locked the door um, for, th- for that inside line. And... Even the the players who came on, Connor Cooney, uh, Kevin Cooney was brilliant yesterday. Like their attack was motoring finally. And Evan Nyland, I'm just I'm naming players here who who just got into the game yesterday and did so so well, and and backed up by that incredible defensive display. Um, let's talk about the Dubs and Clare. Like I think if you were Dublin, your hope was that Clare would somehow feel a hangover from the Munster final defeat in the way that they had done last year and that you needed to somehow put a little bit of doubt in their minds and you needed to hope that uh, Tony Kelly was going to have an off day. Everything you hoped for disappeared in a three-minute puff of smoke just before halftime with a 3-2, like an incredible scoring burst that decided the game. Yeah, I watched that by back game back as well yesterday because I felt I was doing Cl- Dublin a disservice if I didn't actually look what, at what they got right. So uh, I was on to Ray Boyne yesterday and asked him to have a look at the, the stats for the midfield because I felt that's where Dublin lost the game. Um, they tried a number of things. They brought Dara Power out to midfield to try and track Ryan Taylor. Um, obviously, Chris O'Leary was in midfield with Mark Rogan and ultimately, you know, the experience of Cahill Malone, I think he had 19 possessions. David Fitzgerald had 16 possessions. It was so mo- such a dominant midfield display from Clare and this put massive pressure, obviously, on the Dublin half-back line. Conor Burke at centre-back for Dublin spoke about him in the league I felt that he loves going forward, but, you know, not necessarily the the most solid at six uh, when they're obviously under under pressure. And that was evident yesterday. Again, I, I looked at him yesterday afternoon and what he did, you know, in terms of the positive things. I can see why Michael Donoghue, Michal Donoghue has him at six. His distribution is incredible. And, you know, when he's feeding the likes of Danny Sutcliffe, who had a brilliant game in terms of possession winning yesterday, um, wasn't necessarily that great in front of the posts. I think he had four wides. Paul Crummy and the ball that was being, you know, delivered into Paul Crummy and the the ball that he was winning, Keanu Sullivan, the ball that he was winning, you know, that is because the distribution of Conor Burke was so good. But when the tide turned and Clare were coming at Dublin. Dublin defensively were, you know, they were so leaky. They There were so many gaps. They they didn't know how to defend the pace, the acceleration. And David Fitzgerald, the pace coming through the middle, they were unstoppable. So I've positives and negatives for Dublin. There's work-ons for me all O'Donoghue. But ultimately, when you're moving Owen O'Donnell, you're, you know, all-star fullback, from full back in the second half to try and win a game 
I think that's where Michal who's probably man management or in-game management wasn't as sharp as, say, Henry Shefflin yesterday. Yeah, that because that, that space through the middle, Sarah, I mean, you, you can talk to the cows come home about, about the, the class of Tony Kelly and, and the five goals that Clare scored, but as you say, the ease with which they were able to get through for some of those would, would yes. certainly lead you, to, lead you to question Dublin. Yeah, like Conor Burke actually got fouled after four minutes. Uh, or sorry, got he picked up a yellow after four minutes. He fouled John Connell coming through a heavy, heavy hit. And maybe that led to him saying, OK, I, I need to stay on the field here. And, you know, you're kind of jumping out of tackles that, that you might have to go into, um, but that he definitely had to go into. So I can see the point there where possibly he wasn't the right man to be trying to stop, you know, an in-rushing player because he was on the yellow. But I think from the point of view of, you know, Dublin's defensive six, they just weren't organised enough for for that team. And that comes back to the midfield, the amount of ball, like 16 possessions for David Fitzgerald, 19 possessions for Colin Malone. They were ticking right to the end. Interestingly, for me, Tony Kelly stays on until the 68th minute and he's a big game in two weeks. I'd have been shuffling him off the field now after 40 minutes and putting him in cotton wool. Um, uh, I think obviously Shane O'Donnell came off um, late on and looked like he, he needed a bit of a, a rest. There, there was a lingering injury there perhaps, but with the war of attrition that is hurling, you know, and the players that are out at the minute for Clare, I'd have definitely been minding Tony much earlier than the 68 minute. We do obviously still await news from the Kilkenny camp and I suspect we won't know the truth of any of the stuff that's coming from the Kilkenny camp until the ball gets thrown in and maybe even until the second half if um, some of the injured <laughs> players are coming off the bench. So, uh, like, while Clare are concerned, obviously they had injuries last year ahead of the semi-final, it feels like they're in a much better place than they were heading into last year's. Last year, like, we, we incorrectly thought that uh, they were going to give Kilkenny their fill of it in the semi-final and they just disappeared on the day. That's, that's surely not going to happen again this time. No, I think this Clare side um, is is much better organised. And even yesterday, with the fact that Aidan McCarthy couldn't start, uh, you know, Mark Rogers steps into the breach and Mark Rogers scores one eleven yesterday. Uh, I know the lads on the Sunday game were trying to decide who should get uh, player of the match, Tony Kelly or, or Mark Rogers. And I'd have given it to Mark Rogers yesterday. He was so consistent and uh, so composed. So... I suppose Aidan McCarthy has an opportunity now to to get well. He's got two weeks ahead of him. Um, Dave McInerney, John Conlon. Um, I don't know if Conor Cleary will, will get back in time. That would be the one issue. But I suppose for... I was actually very impressed with uh, Daryl Owen yesterday, uh, Brian Lowen's nephew. I thought he gave Danny Sutcliffe a, wor- a world of torture. Um, so I think Brian Lowen probably has options. But I would... Very much fancy Clare now going into this Kilkenny game. I, I think they have a point to prove. Um, I think they let themselves down badly yesterday, last year. And for them, the Munster final was a game that got away. It's not a game that they emptied the tank in. And, you know, we're unlucky not to win. The Munster final three weeks ago was a game they let get away. And I think mentally uh, they know they have a point to prove. Who is playing in the final? Limerick Clare. There you go. Mm. Uh, all right. Good stuff, Sarah. Thanks a million. Thanks, lads. Have a good day. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.